today on Ag News Daily. The real benefit, as you say, is in the rotational grazing of animals, so moving stock often. And what for a farmer would then normally take at least an hour or a couple of hours, they can now move fences with a click of a button. Hey listeners, welcome to October 11th, a Tuesday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It is brought to you today by Your Soy Chekhov. Tanner Winterhoff here, joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, good morning. Good morning. What a beautiful fall day. I think the last couple of days have have really spoiled us. It's been a nice fall so far, Tanner. Absolutely. Did you miss me yesterday? Of course. It was a holiday, banker's holiday, so I'd take the whole day off. Couldn't even help you on the podcast. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on with that because I went to look at uh, the harvest progress report this morning and I'm like, where the heck is it? And then I forgot it's it was a quote unquote holiday yesterday. That's correct. Columbus Day, which maybe I should check the origins of that. But nonetheless, I don't think our listeners are all that worried about bank holidays. So let's jump right into it. There is some good updates coming out this morning. Of course, we're looking at a potential deal between Israel and Lebanon. This will be brokered by the United States, but coming out of Jerusalem, they have reached a draft deal that resolves decades and decades of disputes over the control of the eastern stretch of the Mediterranean Sea. The two countries announced on Tuesday this morning that they have a breakthrough between the neighbors with the U.S. brokering the deal in the middle. The way the reason this makes headlines, Delaney, is This will now allow each country to have rights to its respective natural resources offshore, which, of course, means oil products. So, Delaney, this is a historic achievement that will now strengthen the security for both countries. Israel will expect billions into their economy and will provide stability for their northern border. Again, this is mediated by the United States since these two countries don't get along This will actually be two separate agreements with Lebanon having an agreement with the U.S. and then U.S. having an agreement with Israel, and together those will uh, come into place. So as a result, it will not enshrine a location for this maritime border, but it will be a binding bilateral document. So it should be good for a lot of the U.S., as we could potentially have more sources of oil supplies coming out of this agreement. Well, Tanner, speaking of energy, the nat gas problem is definitely amplifying here across Europe as they're preparing to head into their winter. They're hoping for a mild winter, of course, so that they have to use less natural gas. But we're at a point here, Tanner, where they're going to have to pay up to be able to import liquefied natural gas. And even if they manage to buy enough this winter, now folks are saying the bigger challenge is going to be to refill those depleted storage next year and that the European Union goal to build stocks to 80% capacity this November is probably unlikely. They have exceeded the goal so far for this year, but for next year really is where the big question mark comes into play, especially as we've seen the halt of nat gas through Nord Stream 1 and the Nord Stream network from Russia to Germany, which leaves a pretty large gap despite the increased supplies from other countries. 
Painter, this is uh, definitely putting a damper on things for households. They said household gas consumption in Germany jumped at the end of September to the highest level since March because of a cold spell that they had there throughout the country. Demand was about 14% higher above the four-year average, which is posing quite a threat if, in fact, they're going to have not so mild of a winter, which by all accounts is what it's leaning towards as of right now. Analysts are putting the gas shortfall is probably going to be around 15% this year on average for Europe. Yikes. I know here in the U.S. that there are a lot of long-range forecasts calling for a not-so-mild winter here, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on what weather is like there. I don't know, Delaney, if you got our listeners a peek inside the rail union rejection of the President Biden-backed deal, but it looks like a majority of almost 12,000 unionized rail workers voted to reject the tentative labor agreement brokered by the president and his crew. More than 6,600 members of the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way employees voted against the tentative agreement compared to only 5,100 in favor. So this is potentially going to bring a strike back into the factor. So They've stated right now that they will go into a status quo period, which means no strike can take place while the union resumes bargaining. But uh, this could potentially cause an issue now after the no self-help period, which comes November 19th. So it looks like we might avoid it for another 40 days. But due to this rejection, Delaney, we could be staring down the barrel of another potential railroad strike. Yeah, I think this is actually kind of breaking news as we were recording the podcast yesterday with Tommy. So glad you brought that one back up, Tanner, today. Yeah, you bet. I, you know, it's one of those that now I think we're going to probably report on almost daily from here on out. But it certainly plays an intra, a very important factor into the businesses of our listeners. But let's pause here real quick for a message from our sponsor today. Who's the number one protein source in chicken feed? You are. That's right. You're winning. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are really big in animal ag. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff. Your soy checkoff is working with poultry and livestock producers, growing existing relationships and forging new ones to bring tangible returns back to you. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. Well, Tanner, as we dive back into some transportation-related news, yesterday I reported on shutdowns going on in the lower Mississippi, where there have been multiple stretches of barges that have been at a standstill, unable to migrate further south to get their product out at the ports. Well, we've got word that two stretches of the southern Mississippi River were reopened to commercial traffic, and largely due to some quickly quick on their feet dredging operations that happened to deepen the shipping channel near Memphis, Tennessee and Stack Island, Mississippi. They said a southbound queue of about 22 towboats hauling 392 barges were still waiting to pass a section of the river near Stack Island on Monday morning, but northbound the northbound queue has been cleared. Uh, I had, hadn't even thought about it, Tanner, because we were talking obviously mostly about getting product down to the ports and out of the country, but also on the flip side, boats heading back north were also stalled. And I was, I don't know, I didn't even think about that side of the equation. 
Yeah, that makes more sense now when you talk fertilizer market as to what is trying to come in that port and up the river itself, staying on things that float is the topic. About 100 ships that have left Ukraine are now waiting for inspection at the ports in Turkey, according to the United Nations. Ships that sailed as early as September 23rd are still waiting for inspection outside of Istanbul. Under the terms of the agreement between Russia and Ukraine, roughly 2 million metric tons of wheat, corn, soybeans, and other products are on these ships. But since the implementation of that agreement on August 1st, more than 300 ships have sailed out of Ukraine's ports, carrying almost 7 million metric tons of grains. Corn has been the leader, about 3 million metric tons, followed by wheat and sunflower shipments. So uh, that's been good. Seems like Spain has been the biggest destination for these ships sailing out of Ukraine, followed by Turkey, Italy, and China. Well, Tanner, of course, yesterday I touched on the fresh Russian military or uh, missile strikes that happened across Ukraine yesterday and over the weekend, which largely, once again, they're targeting areas that are heavily needed for exports. And so now the deal that was brokered by Turkey there really is coming into question, Tanner, as to whether or not this deal will follow through and we'll see it come to fruition. But was messaging last night with uh, Ukrainian farmer Case Huizinga, who we've had on the podcast before. And he said, it's really interesting, Tanner, that trucks are headed for the port, but the ports will not unload the trucks anymore because of the danger of Russian bombs. So trucks need to be unloaded from the ports into their grain silos, but they're not doing it. They won't do it. They won't get out of They're not allowed to get out of their vehicles. And so if the port doesn't unload the truck, the truck either has to wait to see if the ports will reopen or head back home with a with full trucks full of grain. And he also said sent me a message early this morning saying that they got a message on their phone, I assume from the government. I can't read the message exactly to translate it, but that They were told to stay inside today as there's a high change of rocket attacks expected across the whole territory of Ukraine. And they were asked to stay in bomb shelters today, Tanner. So it's certainly becoming real once again after we had, you know, a little bit of back off there for a while. Russia is back at it. That doesn't sound good for the farmer listeners and anybody over there for that time being. Hopefully it shapes up here soon for them. Last piece of news I have today, Delaney, is the U.S. Supreme Court is set to hear the arguments today on the industry's challenge of the constitutionality of the California Animal Welfare Law. Of course, the National Pork Producers Council and the American Farm Bureau Federation are appealing the lower court's decision to throw out their lawsuit seeking invalid 2018 ballot initiatives passing that California can bar the sales of pork, veal, and eggs from animals whose confinements failed to meet the California minimum square, minimum space requirements. Of course, the pork industry has defined this size of cage to be used at pig farms as humane and necessary for animal safety. The California rules have, again, changed that. So again, this is also known as Prop 12 violating the provision of the U.S. Constitution known as the Commerce Clause. But that hearing starts this morning. So I'm sure we're going to get more news 
coming out of those discussions as the Supreme Court begins to weigh these arguments. Well, Tanner, I have a final piece of news here referring to a policy shift that could impact U.S. corn growers. Mexico has threatened a ban on genetically modified corn, which could temper feed prices with a heavy cost. They may soon be joining a growing list of countries that ban the importation of genetically modified corn, potentially affecting prices in both economies and in all of North America. They apparently are concerned about potential health threats, long-term issues related to GM, and that also, you know, the reason we think it could be such an impact to prices, Tanner, is because Mexico is the largest importer of U.S. corn in recent years and has pushed China into second place the last two seasons. It certainly could be a large blow to U.S. exports, as the U.S. Census Bureau showed Mexico imported about $5.1 billion worth of corn alone in the 21-22 marketing year. So it could be about 20% of U.S.'s corn production that uh, could be impacted by this potential ban. We don't have, obviously, a firm timeline yet, but they've definitely started to tote that that could be a possibility here, Tanner. Yeah, I had also seen that article, and uh, unfortunately, we've got a lot of negative pressure on our markets. So why don't we pause one more time for a message from our sponsor today before we get into markets. Who turned a $2 million research investment into $460 million per year in extra income? You did, you captain of industry. Today's soybean farmers, that's you, are boosting sales. How? By pooling your resources through your soy checkoff, which funded a study that led to the dredging of the lower Mississippi River. Soon, you'll ship larger export loads for hundreds of millions in extra income a year. See all the ways your soy checkoff is moving soy forward for you at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. So Delaney, I had checked a bunch of headlines this morning, and it looks like the bears are trying to hold prices down across the board. But I'm curious as to how things open this morning. But that news you just shared about Mexico, we obviously know what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. It doesn't sound like things could be good, but where are we sitting? Yeah, Tanner, we're certainly sitting lower here this morning as we head into the opening markets. We're recording just ahead of the open this morning, and after we saw yesterday's explosive moves higher, bears are certainly coming into the markets this morning saying, hey, we got to calm this thing down. December new crop corn traded about a penny lower in the overnight at 6.97 is where we'll see that open. New crop soybeans will open this morning at 13.69 and a half, down about four and a half pennies in the overnight. December, Chicago wheat giving up a good chunk of yesterday's gains, down 14 cents in the overnight at 9.23 and three quarters. And looking at livestock in the overnights, seeing mostly red across the screen here. December live cattle down a buck oh five at 147. That's fairly in line with where we saw things uh, close yesterday. November feeder cattle is down $2.75 at a buck 72. And December lean hogs, $2.45 higher here at the open to open at $79.60. Well, Delaney, now it's time to jump into our conversation today with the company No Fence. This will be an interesting one for our listeners to tune into. Here we go. Listeners, I'm excited to introduce you all to Sina Budal, country manager of the UK for No Fence. 
a virtual fencing company. I know we've discussed this a lot on the show lately, so we're excited to have you on, Senna. Thank you for joining us. Oh, hi, Cassidy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be, be invited. Absolutely. So to start us off, just kind of tell us a little bit about the company. And I know a lot of us are a little confused about this technology. So how does it actually work? Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, Nave Fans is a virtual fencing company that uh, originates from Norway. Um, those of you who don't know, that's in Scandinavia. Um, and we are a virtual fencing company. So we deliver a fencing technology where farmers don't need to put up physical infrastructure to, to fence off animals. And the way NoFence works is there is a GPS unit that we put around the neck of the cow or the sheep or the goat. Um, the animal gets to the boundary. We play an audio. The animal learns, I need to turn around because if not, I'm going to get a pulse. Um, so when I normally explain it, I like to compare it with physical electrical fencing because I think we're all used to seeing, <laughs> seeing those to some degree. So with standard physical fencing, Animals can see the fence and they know if I touch it, it's going to be it's going to hurt. So they use their eyesight to see the fence with virtual fencing. It's the exact same. We just use the listening skills. Um, so they listen for the fence instead of using their eyes. That's exciting to hear because I know a lot of the producers that listen to our show spend a lot of time building fence and fixing fence. So this is a big innovation for the future. Where did the idea start from? So the idea, it's, it's uh, I, I think I can completely echo what you're saying about, about farmers. And, and um, in Norway, Norway is a, is a large country with only five and a half million people that live there. Uh, there's a lot of mountain, a lot of heavy woodland and terrain. Um, so for our founder, who's a Norwegian goat farmer, he was so tired of fencing because um, he was on one side of the fence, cutting the grass, tossing it over the fence to the animals. And he was a bit like, that's ridiculous. They've got four legs. They can find their own foods. So he wanted to make grazing more available uh, and avoid all the hassle with the physical physical fences. So that's why he developed the, the first sort of prototypes of, of virtual fencing um, so that we can now fencing who hasn't really been updated since we had electrical fencing come along I think in the 1940s so it probably it did deserve uh, an update that we've had now with the uh, with virtual fencing arriving. So with that rotational grazing concept kind of like your founder was discussing when he was cutting grass on the other side of the fence and wish they could just go over there how easy is it to move around these virtual fences just from the click of a button and rotate your herds to different pastures oh that's so easy i think that's the that's a real life changer and i don't think um oscar our founder realized that that was gonna come in so handy he was more more tired of, of boundary fencing but the real benefits as you say is in the rotational grazing of animals so moving stock often uh, and what for a farmer would then normally take at least an hour or a couple of hours or even more they can now move fences with a click of a button, um, which is a which is a huge both cost and, and, and time saver for farmer. As an example, uh, I had a farmer contact us here in the UK and during the, the summer season, he spent five hours a day moving fences. So it just shows how much work fencing actually is. So when you look at being able to apply this 
to growers and ranchers throughout the world. Is it something that you have to have great Wi-Fi or internet speeds to handle, or is it controlled by another fashion? So right now we we control via the mobile network. So we use the mobile network for communication with the caller. As the caller, you can imagine the caller being a cell phone. Uh, we need the cell phone, uh, or we need to be able to tell it both talk to it both ways. So the caller needs to let us know what's happening to it, and we need to let the caller know if something's changing. So that's when we roam on um, on the mobile network. Um, so in order to make changes or to get updates, that happens over the mobile network. Uh, but the actual fence in itself works off GPS. So it's not like if you've got patchy coverage, you'll have a hole in your fence. So how widespread is y'all's company as of now? I know you're based in the UK and it's come from Norway. Are y'all spreading to other countries quickly? Are you available in the US? We are available um, in the US and we will have our first pilot sites up and running already. Other than that, the biggest market at the moment is Norway. And then we got UK and then we got colors across Europe. Um, so, yeah, we are going to be global shortly. So is there a size of herd limit? Is this something to where it only is going to work for small herds or can you have numerous numbers of callers on the same network? So you can have several callers uh, in the app, but there is just a, a sort of how practical is the NoFund system built for. And I think um, in the US, you're probably looking at the, the sort of smaller range of herds is a perfect fit. But for the future, who knows? Um, I think there's definitely potential. It should be potential for, for a lot of farmers across the US to pick up uh, the NoFund technology. And speaking of the future, Sina, what are some of the big goals coming down the pipeline for you and your company? I think it is to um, to obviously get more farmers globally to join NoFund. So um, both US, we're looking at larger um, markets such as, you know, maybe in the future, Australia, New Zealand. Um, I think the key thing for us is or the main goal that we want to achieve is to get animals on pasture because that's where they belong, where they can do um, what they're meant to do and have their purpose in our ecosystem fulfilled. So, yeah, that's, I think, the main goal of everyone working in no fence is animals belong on pasture, so we need to put them there. So we don't normally talk a lot of costs on our podcast, but in comparison to standard fencing, are we looking at an investment that's greater than that of building new fence or pretty comparable? Um, I think it's it's very difficult to compare prices at the moment, especially now with pricing of everything going going through the roof. Um, I imagine fencing cost in the US is has had a similar trend as the one we see in the UK. And it also really depends on what you're doing. Are you building brand new boundary fencing or are you doing repairs or replacements? Uh, but I think in terms of the, the larger the area, the, the more beneficial it is to go with um, with no fence financially. Um, and uh, yeah, lower maintenance costs for sure than than running uh, physical fences. And kind of along that same line of pricing, is this a package you buy where you buy a certain amount of collars at a time with the program or do you add collars as you go along if you want to add more cattle to your herd or goats? Yeah. So you buy the number of collars that you need. So that's a capital cost. And then you subscribe and then you can add on and buy as many collars as you need because um, collar numbers vary 
Very cool. So, Senna, if any of our listeners want to reach out to NoFins and get involved with this program, start using it on their own property, whether that's here in the U.S., in the U.K., or in Norway, how can they do that? Go to our websites. So either just, you know, press NoFans into your uh, into your Google search engine and it will probably show you um, to our website. And then there is an inquiry site there so you can get in touch with our U.S. team. Uh, which is uh, a passionate group of uh, people um, or drop us an email or give us a ring. So I think the address is nofans.no for Norway is probably a good starting point. Do you have the capability to GPS locate a cow if it gets outside of the boundary? I just was wondering that if, if if the cow ignores the signal, do we have an easier way of getting it back? So the nice thing is that we can allow the animal to return uh, freely because what happens is normally what happens when you have a single animal that escapes, uh, they want to return to the rest of the herd because they're herd animals. Uh, With a physical boundary, sometimes they can't, but we allow them to return freely. And as you correctly stated, we've got the GPS locations. We can tell um, where they are anyways, if if they're completely lost, Uh, you'll be able to find them and get them back. I'm really glad you added that question in, Tanner. I think that's a really good point that will be helpful for a lot of ranchers and farmers throughout the U.S., especially when your cattle get out on highways and such. And you get calls from sheriffs saying these are your cattle. If you have those GPS collars on them, you can claim whether they're your cattle or not, even if they're not branded. So that's another great thing about no fence. Definitely. I know a lot of farmers in Norway as well has benefited greatly from the GPS location. Um, spending an hour finding an animal instead of three days is a, is a huge change. Absolutely. Well, Sina, again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great. No worries. Thank you for having me on. There you go, Delaney. That is exciting. It, uh, I wondered if it was going to be compared to the dog collars uh, that can use the electric fence in their yard, but It'll be cool to see as these companies grow and their cap- their capacity and capabilities grow also. Yeah, it's interesting to see how these ideas really come to light, Tanner. It's usually, you know, triggered by having these issues on your own operation. Yeah, and uh, when we get headlines like that and awesome suggestions from our listeners, we appreciate it. If you have topics or guests that we should talk to, hook us up. Find us on our social media platforms at Ag News Daily. Or send us an email. We appreciate everything that you guys do as listeners. And uh, for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.